Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 34 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angela. No, Angela, it is the week before Christmas. Are you prepared to deal with everything that comes with the holiday season, uh, both tech-wise and life-wise? How's that planning going for you? It's going well. We've done a lot of our shopping. All the stuff for the teachers and stuff at school is picked up. Uh, my wife being a teacher, she's very uh, careful about that stuff. She kind of knows what teachers expect and want. Uh, and it's it's a nice gesture to buy something for the teachers. The kids stuff, it's getting taken care of. Uh, we're, we're ordering things off Amazon. We're going in person for pickups. I mentioned previously I bought the iPad for my mother-in-law, so that was taken care of. Um, it's actually going pretty well. I picked up my wife's gift, which I won't mention right now because she can probably hear me upstairs but uh everything's going is it well. a nintendo switch yeah it got me I bought my wife oh, the perfect. nintendo switch perfect. uh well speaking of online shopping i messaged you this weekend with kind of a interesting sort of issue that we had uh so to preface this i'm pretty sure my sister doesn't listen to this podcast which is great because i'm going to spoil part of her gift uh so my sister uh, got married earlier this year so she went from a miss to a missus so uh the girlfriend and I saw a Mrs. Uh, coffee cup online at one of these retailers. We're like, you know what? This makes a perfect sort of companion gift to what we got her. So let's pick one up. So fast forward to last Friday, uh, I went to the post office to pick up the package and it was a little heavy and it was a little odd. And I was like, okay, you know what? I, uh, let's just see what's inside of this. So I get home, open it up and there are six Mrs. Coffee cups in a box, not one. And we only paid for one, right? So we have five extra Mrs. Coffee Cups because obviously some seasonal worker wasn't paying attention in one of these warehouses and uh, gave us an extra five. And the thing is, like, it's not one of these, like, coffee cups where you can easily give it to people. It's not <laughs> one of those, like, I love reading or, like, Canada coffee cups. It's an ultra-specific kind of cup, so it's a little bit of a problem in terms of what to do with the extra five right now. Well, I had mentioned it to my wife, and she's like, oh, well, I'll take one of the cups because uh, I thought it's, I had forgotten what it said. I thought it was, like, best sister or something, and then right. I, I told her what it said. She's like, well, I don't want that. She doesn't want a Mrs. Cup? No, she's just like, I'm not a Mrs. Well, so uh, are you actually married then? We are married, but we live in Quebec. And the woman does not take the man's uh, last name here. So she has her last name and I have my last name. You were on the pulpit. The man does not take the woman's name. (laughs) And the, the woman does not take the man's name. Interesting story. I lost my voice completely the day of my wedding. I had actually no voice. I just managed to whisper out an I do. And that was about it. Did you write your own vows or like, how did that get handled? We're way too like lazy to write our own vows and stuff. We just, (laughs) it was already like, our families wanted us to get married in a church and we had to go to like church lessons and stuff. Luckily, uh, I've mentioned, I mentioned it last week, my art history degree really helps in terms of me knowing a lot about religion. So in the classes we had to take to get married, it was like a weekend thing at uh, the Archdiocese in Montreal. And uh, my wife and I are not particularly religious, but I seemed like the Mr. Know-it-all there because I knew all the saints and everything, mostly because of fine arts and my art history degree. Your degree actually uh, did you some good in your life. My art history degree actually helped with my writing and things like that, uh, and my research. Uh, a lot of research in art history, not much uh, not much in the, in the way of tests. It was mostly just writing papers and stuff, so lots of research-based stuff, which has been coming in handy uh, with this podcast. 
Yeah, well, especially last week with the Ark of the Covenant, and then, you know, this week with... Well, we won't get into the paranormal section just yet. Let's keep that as a surprise. Though, if people read the description, they'll know what it is anyway, so let's just forget about it. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's, let's do there's some... no such thing as spoilers for a podcast where you post show notes. Yeah, that's so very unless, true. Yeah, but there's hey. very little mystery. Unless you say, like, the show notes are specifically just mysterious. Well, I... So I do find myself not looking ahead of show notes in the podcast I listen to because I don't want to get spoiled. As weird as that sounds, like I'll I'll see a brief description, but I try not to look at them too much, uh, as silly as that sounds. But yeah. Oh, totally. I totally get that. Um, so up next, uh, let's do a few house cleaning items in terms of some follow up. So uh, you have a follow up from last week in terms of Apple ID and kids and uh, Facebook Messenger for kids, et cetera, et cetera. So let's let's hear about this. Well, it's nothing uh, super spectacular. It's just that after talking, I realized my son doesn't have his own Apple ID. He's only four, but he does have an iPad that is uh, basically his. It's a seven-year-old iPad, but he uses it. Uh, My daughter doesn't use it anymore. So it was on her Apple ID. So I just created an Apple ID for him. The only thing I, I got stuck with is because... You have to put the um, you know, three digits on the back of your credit card when you're signing in with and creating a child's ID number. You have to actually put in those numbers. And uh, that credit card actually stays in my wife's wallet because it pays for gas. So I, she wasn't around. So at the, at the moment I started doing it, I realized I couldn't finish it. So I had to start it over later. I tried to guess the number a few times because I kind of knew it, but I guessed wrong. And I really didn't feel like wait getting locked wait, out of wait, my wait, credit wait, card. Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, this sounds sort of fraudulent. How so? You were guessing the uh, the number at the back, that like the CSV card or whatever. It, it's uh, my own credit card, right? I, I just I don't cheater. remember it all the time. <laughs> I don't appreciate you saying I'm a fraud or something. No, no, no. Well, it's, like my, it's like me trying to like uh, like swindle the iPhone the iPhone uh, from the Apple Store. What are you talking about? There's footage of you rubbing your hands gleefully as like the genius <laughs> disappears into the back. Oh uh, yeah. Just Sam for that footage. Uh, well, I got connects too. You're not the only oh, one geez. who's got connects in the Apple world. But all that to say, your kid who's now four years old has his own Apple ID. You're starting him early. It's it's funny too because I had seen my wife's friend this weekend because we had an event at the school and um, I had told her how even though she doesn't have her own Apple ID because she's been using her husband's Apple ID, I said, "Look, my four year old has his own Apple ID. You really should work on getting your own." And the woman probably just sighed heavily and walked away, didn't she? No, no. She thought it was funny. I'm very charming. <laughs> <laughs> well, swindlers tend to be. So. Yes, exactly. As well as, as, well as grifters. Grifters yeah. tend to be very charismatic. We have, um, a, we have a to-do th- uh, a list. And one of the to-do list items is uh, us coming up with like a whole fiction of uh, Brian and I becoming uh, paranormal grifters. Which I think is like a long-term project you should and you and I should work on, and it'll be less of like a like a, a, a spoken podcast in terms of like a conversation, more so like a built podcast, like sort of pre-recorded on the fly, um, kind of like a like a narrative almost. Well, if one day we ever have uh, patrons of some kind, then we want to put out a bonus show. If if Patreon's still around at the way it's going, uh, they're kind of digging themselves a hole. But uh, maybe that could be a fun bonus episode for uh, some listeners of the show. Oh, for sure. Um, and speaking of following uh, follow up items, something that we talked about in episode 15, which I'm now bringing back to the forefront is uh, so finally the Ronnie James Dio hologram is on tour. Like there's a live band and in the middle is Ronnie James Dio, a hologram of him in his prime singing uh, a lot of his classic songs. And I showed you the, an article with some video and your comment is pretty uh, spot on and hilarious. Well, the first thing I noticed when I watched it was 
how sad they all look to be on that stage. They did not like. So are these members of his old band? Or like, I don't know much about Dio. Yeah, right? so, they're Dio's disciples. Yeah, they used to play with him, and they're not enthused to be there at all. It sort of looks like a really sad cover band. See, so the th- I don't know if they are sad to be there or they're just trying to really to pay attention to the metronome, right? Because with a hologram, you have to be really careful of playing in time. Like, you can't fall out, right? Uh, and that includes all of the members of the band. So I feel like maybe uh, it's partially uh, due to them not wanting to screw up that they look so concentrated. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. I guess there's, there's no machine learning in that uh, hologram. It doesn't adapt to the speed of the song, which would make uh, no sense and would be actually kind of frightful uh, for us that uh, robots have taken over and started actually playing long term music. A musical singularity, if you will. Yeah. It 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 was I I will put that in the show notes. Although the web page you sent me for that thing was garbage. It was like all kinds of ads and trackers and stuff. And my ad blocker completely screwed up the video. I had to like turn it off for a second, get harassed by ads, and then it turned on again. And hopefully we'll maybe find the better clip. I don't know. Well, here, uh, so you're just uh, talking smack about MetalSucks.net, which is one of my favorite um, news websites. And I can understand the interface is quite clunky. The ads are overbearing. Um, and yeah, sometimes you got to dig a little in order to get your news. But hey, so what? It is part of the internet. The internet. <laughs> Speaking of the internet, I took a break from the internet this weekend in order to go to a mini comic book convention here in Montreal, which was more of a, a vendor's fair than an actual full-on uh, comic convention. Usually, like when you go to Comic-Con, there's a bunch of uh, panels and like there's a lot of activities going on as well as like the main floor, et cetera, et cetera. But this was more so focused on... Um, you know, uh, comic books and other sort of like nerdy paraphernalia that you can buy. So I found this kind of interesting and, uh, it was very, very like rammed. I went on the Saturday, so it was a two day fair. And, uh, I, this is my third year going and, uh, two years ago and last year, there was a bunch of people who had cosplayed, but then this year there was like an explosion of cosplayers. You seem to be a glutton for punishment then because you keep going back, even though you realize it's, it doesn't seem to be something that's, uh, your speed, so to say. Well, it is and it isn't. I was looking for a couple of old issues uh, of a comic book series that I was missing, and I figured this would be an ideal thing because I checked all of the comic book shops in Montreal for them, and they didn't really have a large selection when it comes to older comics. So, you know, I I decided to go digging, and I was mostly fruitful. I'm only missing one issue of this one comic book now out of like 130-ish issues. So I I felt like it was a job well done, but I had to wade through throngs of people and uh, a lot of people at events like this aren't necessarily spatially aware. So it's a lot of awkward standing around while you're trying to make your way through things. And uh, what's the comic book you were looking for? Or, or is it too embarrassing to say? I don't know. I'm not embarrassed by that. So it's an old DC Comics uh, series called Warlord by Mike Grell. So I'm missing issue 27. I have one through 133 in all the annuals. But unfortunately, uh, 27 is the one that's eluding me right now. And the thing is, I could buy it on ebay but the shipping costs are so high that i'm kind of i'm not cheap but i'm like frugal when it comes to collecting these so i'm not willing to pay more than like a couple bucks per so i'm just gonna wait it out well if there's any listeners that have this comic book that brian mentioned that i can't remember the name of that even though he just mentioned it um send it to brian he'll be very happy yeah warlord issue 27 the first volume there we go get that out of the way yeah there was also like a lot of uh, interesting smells, but that's like another different podcast. Uh, well, I was just about to say in big, giant, bold letters next to your trip to Comic Con on the um, show notes, it says smells abound. Yeah. And like, I don't want to paint people in like that typical stereotypical nerd light, but as a person who's like nerd adjacent, I guess would be the best way of putting it. Uh, there were a lot of interesting uh, smells, both based around uh 
uh, showering habits as well as like other uh, perfumey style smells, I guess would be the best way of putting it. So a lot of interesting uh, things hitting my nostrils uh, that day. The amalgamation of that could not have been uh, great. No, and I was excited to leave after like a half hour, 45 minutes. Uh, well, uh, I guess that's th- that's it. That's how you spent there. Did you pay any money to go into this thing? No, it was free. That's the other thing. Is that so the one? So they uh, they used to have one in September. That's now in July, and that's usually like thirty five bucks a day, and then has like speakers and like it's a much larger affair. Where this is more so like a pre Christmas way to like buy gifts. So it's almost like a crafts fair, but for like uh, for for nerds. Like there's a lot of video games on sale. A lot of people had uh, Super Nintendo Classics on sale for two hundred bucks, for example. So really, yeah, yeah. They need to be hooked up with a Raspberry Pi. I, which is something we can talk about later. But yeah, that's definitely uh, something that you could have bought there at the comic book uh convention uh yeah so like i said i'm kind of nerd adjacent so i i will touch the periphery of nerdiness but i will not engage in it actively necessarily either like i used to play dnd i don't play dnd anymore oh, see whenever people start talking about dnd stuff i i realize i'm like on the the cool nerd spectrum <laughs> the, like a tech nerd to use like better than a geek like a geeky kind of fantasy nerd how we we've discussed the whole nerd uh scale of we don't see we have a double density scale of ufology we don't have a double density scale of nerdology uh yet is that a word is that a What's way to describe I, it uh yeah this is kind of a postmodern uh podcast everything means nothing and you know meaning is made up by the like the listener after we've recorded this postmodern i know that from art history see it comes full circle <laughs> double density speaking of full circle you uh, yourself encountered a uh, beach ball or a, a lack of circle uh the <laughs> other day when you woke up to your mac that had crashed so i woke up to it uh okay okay well i woke it up and i saw a brief flash of you know when your your mac is updating and you get the apple with the line underneath actually you see the same thing on an iphone or an ipad when it's updating the os and I saw that for a brief flash, and then it went down. I'm like, huh, that's odd. And I pressed my keyboard, the mouse, nothing was happening. Um, pressed the power button, nothing happened. I held the power button, and then I kind of heard it go down, and then I turned it back on, and it booted up as if nothing bad had happened. It just went to my login screen. I logged in, and then it said, oh, your Mac didn't shut down properly. Um, sorry. <laughs> There's like nothing else. There was really... Nothing was wrong. It was it had updated itself to ten point thirteen point two, which is a really odd numbering. But anyway, uh, it had updated itself to that overnight because I had set it to have the OS auto update uh, with the dot with the dot releases, not the full OS. It would never just upgrade me to Sierra High Sierra or whatever. But yeah, it uh, just crashed on it. So from now on, I've turned off the OS update so I can actually be there to watch it crash, I guess. Um, and I had seen reports online of some people having weird crashes with this update, but um, nothing serious seems to have happened. At this point, these OSs are pretty robust and like can withstand that sort of crash. It's not like it'll brick your computer. Well, I mean, they, they are robust in certain ways, but sometimes uh, there are bugs that get taken on, they get put back in, especially if uh, you're a recent Mac user, right? So, Yeah, there's been a few... Uh, Apple's had a bad few weeks with these uh, updates and stuff. Hopefully it's kind of like smoothing out and they're learning from these mistakes, but there's some weird stuff. Again, uh, this is not me saying I'd ever switch to Windows or Android at this point. I'm uh, I'm too far gone. Uh, but it's just, it's upsetting to see this stuff happen because 
as a Mac user for the last 15 years, I'm not used to this. I'm really not used to these kind of bugs popping up, but they do happen from time to time. Uh, just uh, it's the first time this Mac has ever had this type of crash. My old Mac would get them from time to time, but it's it's nothing uh, serious, knock on wood, even though I'm not exactly superstitious, but hopefully everything's good. We're recording right now. If you're hearing this, the podcast has been edited and is working fine. We've made it through the other side. This is like a weird time capsule almost. Yeah, it's true. Cause if, if my computer does crash between now and the time this podcast has to come out, then uh, we realize that something's gone wrong, but you won't realize it because you're not hearing us say this. Moving on to a kind of different sort of tack. Last week, I linked you to an article that I thought was really interesting in terms of uh, uh, the way in which we associate sounds to images that don't have any sound to them. In this case, it's a silent GIF uh, of thunder hitting. What is it? It's thunder hitting. No, it's it's really dumb. Thunder. It's two. It's three electric electrical poles or whatever. You know, like the big electrical towers, and one of them is skipping rope in the middle. It's oh, like right. a, it's just a created image. It's it's kind of supposed to be funny, but the thing is, is if you're looking at it, in most cases, uh, people looking at it say they can hear the thumping of the tower landing whenever it lands a jump. So you kind of committed a social experiment with your family, though. I had my I showed it to my my kids. My daughter said she would hear the thump. My son just said, "Yeah, I hear it too," but I don't know what he was saying. Like he's four, right? So he'll just he just kind of got excited and thought it was kind of cool. And I showed it to my wife, and she's like, "I don't hear nothing. I know there's nothing going on. It's silent. It's just in your head." So the double density uh, spectrum of synesthesia right here from zero <laughs> to four, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, but I invite you to go watch it and see what you think because. It was kind of neat to see the um, to see a jump and actually hear the thumping. A lot of people say also they can feel it instead of hearing it. Yeah, and I've I heard understand a lot that. of people who've who've given that uh, testimony in terms of being able to uh, feel the thumping on their body and their chest. It's it's an odd sensation actually. So um, I'd encourage you go go take a look and see what you think. It is kind of neat that it's it's that people can hear a, a silent gif. Jif, um, Jif. <laughs> makes it makes it sound like it's some sort of euphemism for fart. <laughs> uh, so speaking of, uh, so as I mentioned at the top of the podcast this week is the week before the holidays, and I sent you a link to one of my favorite tweets of all time uh, from December twenty fourth of last year from the FBI. Uh, so the tweet reads, and it's you know it's Happy Holidays from the FBI, and then under there, uh, incredibly, is an MS Paint style picture that says Happy Holidays. From our FBI family to yours. And it is so shoddily drawn that it almost seems like someone hacked the FBI page and decided to post this. The comments are pretty great, too. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> Just like, hello, Mr. Police. That makes me laugh. Uh, it's it's like they just went into like some random clip art and just made it. Well, I don't think it's even that. I just, I honestly legitimately believe that like someone had a kid at work that day and they're like, sweetie, what are you drawing? And he's like, oh, it's a snowman. And they're like, yo, we're going to put this up. It's so weird. Did, was there ever any explanation? Are there any conspiracy theories about it? There are none. I just, I honestly do believe that they, uh, they thought it was a cute homemade effort, but really comes off um, super uh, bad. I, I can't think of any other word than bad. It's all around bad. 
considering all the screw-ups they had in 2016 with the FBI. Uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not the, the the best thing. It's like they weren't really thinking. They just kind of had some weird things. So have you sent out your Christmas cards? Your I have not. MS have Paint not Christmas yet. cards? I have not yet. Though I may create one and post it on, the, on our Twitter page and our Instagram page. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. Yeah, just make it with... Um, Go use Mac Paint. Get into that emulator and make it with Mac Paint from 1984. My wife sent out the Christmas cards today, actually. Oh, did you really? You mailed them out? Is there like a? Are you? Do you do the photo of the family? Nah, we used to. We can never get our kids to like sit straight and want to get a picture, so we just send. Uh, we don't always send Christmas cards. It's not something that we've done that often, but we'll send them from time to time. And this year's one of the years my wife was inspired to write something to our friends and family and just send it off to them. Was it like Angelo's still talking into a microphone? He still talks about Max every week. Our children have grown up. He oh. never shuts up about the same things. Do you guys have security? Have you changed <laughs> your password in 2017, et cetera, et cetera, for like two pages? Pretty much. Uh, and then our website at the bottom. So if you and I were to send out a Christmas card or a holiday card, like what, what would the newsletter look like? Well, it'd obviously be split up into two parts. Well, yeah, of course. Like the, the, the text side on the one hand and then the paranormal in the back. And I think in the back, it would just, it would be a picture of the pyramids and I would Photoshop us next to it waving. I'd want to create it out of the material that you used to make floppy disks out of. Oh, like the, the sort of vinyl-y kind of? Yeah. So then you open up, open it up in the middle and the cards are there in the, in the, in the floppy disk. And should we be jerks and put in like a little bit of glitter? No, a lot of glitter. And like, can we make it so like, there's like a little gust of wind that pops up when you open it. And so like it blows it in your face. <laughs> <laughs> and like one of those little pull tabs that plays the sound chip of our theme song. Exactly. I've been watching Trolls too much with my kids because a lot of glitter in that in that movie. Oh, I thought you meant the Italian horror movie Trolls and its sequel Trolls 2, which is an entirely different movie that had nothing to do with Trolls but Goblins. But I mean, I, I digress. My kids have not watched that uh, version of Trolls just yet. <laughs> what did you tell me this morning? Oh, you wanted to make your kids watch Faces of Death <laughs> and record that? That was that was a joke. You're gonna it make me sound eight. like a, I'm abusive. No, no, no. It, the, the things we talk about doing, the things we actually do, are two different things. The idea of you sitting your kids down and then taking out a VHS tape and then being like, "This changed my life," without context, and then just slipping it in and then sitting back and watching them, I think would be gold. Of course, you don't want to warp and damage your kids as any responsible parent would, but the idea of it makes me laugh. It, it is. It's just when I think of the stuff I would watch as a kid. Even coming back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, like I mentioned last week, I would not let my kids watch that now. And just the the thought of them sitting down and watching like Faces of Death just as some sort of social experiment is horrifying to me. It's very amusing to me, but they're not my kids, they're yours. And I understand that you you love and care for them, so therefore you don't want to damage them. So instead, you should send them this FBI tweet of the snowman and see what they have to say about it. My daughter would do a better job, actually, than whatever FBI intern did that. Sounds like you just issued a challenge, just like how you almost issued a challenge to me earlier today. So I was on the internets uh, talking to a friend of mine about how we really didn't like the book Ready Player One, and you uh, strongly feel uh, positively about it. Okay, look, I haven't read it in years. I read it, oh, I must have been, how old's the book? I, did, I read it not long after it came out. 2011. Okay, so probably 2012. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think I did anyway. When I read it, I was enjoying it. And um, totally fine book. I don't. Hey, people seem to have a huge hate on it right now because the trailer recently came out, and you were talking with your friend, 
and you, you said, oh, you should get involved if you, since you like it. And I said, yeah, that's, that's what happens on the internet is that nobody can dislike something you like. And if they do, they're completely wrong. Nobody's allowed having a different opinion. I was very excited for you to cut into the middle of the conversation and tell us that we were both wrong, but not provide context. Just like how you, Rob, and I, the day of the uh, the uh, To the Stars Academy announcement, uh, someone random had cut into our conversation and took our, sarca- our sarcastic tone as like literal. And oh, so yeah. he, he started like yelling at us almost about how stupid we were when really he just wasn't understanding the fact that we were just trolling really hard. Again, the trolls, but yes, uh, that's basically what it was. And then I thought it kind of was funny that people, when it's one of the rules of the internet, right? It's it's, as if you, if you don't like something that something else, somebody else likes, you got to hate each other now. And you have to call them a slur to start with. It's like something heinous, like as an opening shot. Hmm. I'd, I'd have to use your beard against you actually in this case. I can respect that. If you'd like to throw slurs at us, you can always hit us up at Twitter, double underscore density. You can go to facebook.com slash double density podcast to post what you actually think of us. Same thing on Instagram, double density podcast, or you can head over to double density.net. Click on the contact link. Send us a very, very fiery all caps email and see how that goes. So, Angela, you're trying out something new this week. You are actually going to be editing the episode that we are currently recording. I am. um, And I was excited at the prospect of maybe setting it up with chapters for the first time. But as you're listening to this and looking for the chapter markers, you will find none. It's a bait and switch. Yeah, because GarageBand doesn't really let you add chapter markers. You can add certain types of markers where it's marking your intro, chorus, verse, but we're not a 45 to hour and 15 minute song we're just a podcast and we can't just add uh, markers to places a a chapter at so my plan was to create chapter markers and then encode it with uh, mark armit's new forecast mp3 encoder which is uh, i've been using it for other things and it's pretty cool it works really well and it's blazing fast i don't know if you you tried it yet brian i have not but it sounds like you just described dial-up internet (laughs) yes very much it's super cool very fast it's amazing uh but yes it is really fast because what he does is that instead of it just using one of your cores on your computer if you have uh, everybody has uh multi-core max at this point it would uh oh yeah it's mac only by the way but it would um it would basically spin up all your cores and actually encode way faster than it normally would and uh it's pretty great and he's got a, uh, he just released it actually, and he's got a pretty interesting uh, business model for it, where instead of charging for it, because he figured, he, he goes into this in one of the recent episodes of his podcast, Accidental Tech Podcast, but uh, basically he figured not many people are going to buy this because it's mostly for podcasters and there's not a big enough market of people to buy this. So he essentially just put it out there for free. Um, it's been tested by him and his podcasting buddies for Uh, years at this point and um it works well and basically all he says is that if it's free and if you care to mention his podcast app which he does make money from uh overcast on your podcast he'll be very happy and we've mentioned that podcast app many times so i feel fine using uh the forecast mp3 encoder for free i just wish that garage band would let me easily add markers um but it doesn't 
I feel in some ways GarageBand is like very uh, podcaster friendly, but in other ways it is not. Like there's no strip silence function. There's no um, cutting and splicing. You have to like go to the start and end of a sound file in order to cut them. Uh, you know, if there's like a cough or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a couple of articles I'm going to post in the um, show notes, both by Jason Snell, who's a, a well-known podcaster. And he's talked about these issues with GarageBand before. He um, edited like hundreds of hours of podcasts, not th- thousands of hours in GarageBand before he moved on to Logic. And he doesn't even come close to using all the features in Logic, like not even close. But there's a couple of features that he mentions in the MacWork article. It's, it's relatively old at this point. It's from 2013. But um, he mentions that GarageBand would be that much better if he just had strip silence and select uh, everything forward. Basically, if you strip the silence out of something, then you have all these little pieces where you can easily remove like me and Brian cross-talking each other because Brian always interrupts me. I don't know if you know this, but uh, usually and he goes on for six or seven minutes, sometimes uninterrupted. You got to cut it at one point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there we go. You can cut it. And then just take pieces out easily, but you can select the whole thing because when you cut out a piece, you actually have to move everything, but it moves the whole thing altogether. So it works really well. And we won't bore you too much with podcast editing tips, but uh, if anybody's interested, uh, send us an email. We'll talk to you about this, but uh, check out the articles. They're great. There we go. And with that, uh, it looks like our bag of tech gifts is empty. So let's head on over to the paranormal section to hand out more goodies to our listeners. And I really, really apologize for that metaphor. Welcome back to the Double Density Podcast. And as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week we have two uh, different distinct kinds of things we'd like to cover. But really, as always, they're kind of interlinked. So the first thing is a uh, story that came out of Denver over the last couple of days about a a series of flashing lights in the sky that a lot of people witnessed and weren't sure initially uh, what it was. But they had a it had a pretty mundane explanation to it once all was revealed. They said uh, it was cargo planes, uh, from what I understand. It was these weird lights in the sky slowly moving. Um, it's, I guess you can kind of, um, it's almost like uh, the Lubbock lights, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the formation and things. But uh, knowing what we know now, it's nothing like the Lubbock lights because it's easily explainable. Are were the Lubbock lights explained as a geese? Well, I mean, the, that is one explanation, but uh, by witness accounts, it could have been something else, too. Oh, swamp gas. Well, yeah, of course. And a weather balloon, a okay. series of weather balloons in the sky, dancing in formation. Pushed by swamp gas. <laughs> Let's just tie them all together in one neat bow. <laughs> uh, the thing is, is, with Denver, cargo planes, were they headed to that weird Illuminati airport? The one with all the different drawings on it, which actually my girlfriend has gone through and uh, we've talked about extensively since her visit uh, to Denver. What did she think of it? She thought it was really weird, especially once I showed her all of the weird stuff that happens there. Um, she uh, will not avoid flying there, I guess would be the best way to put it. But she's uh, mildly intrigued by it. Not nearly as much as you and I would be, though. I'd be curious to see the, the what is the explanation for those bizarre things that they've said, how they set it up? Why did they do that? Do you know? So there are a couple of weird things about the Denver airport, including uh, the the idea that there are many underground facilities under the airport, under Denver International Airport, um, which also uh, brings to mind the idea of the New World Order using these underground facilities in order to uh, maintain themselves should anything happen. And also there's a really a bunch of like a really weird art on the walls. 
I I will have to put uh, the artwork in the show notes just for people to see. It is really really odd. Um, I've I'm not even sure what the decision was to to make this art, how it was commissioned, why it was done like that, but it's very strange. I do think that there's something in the water there. Maybe that's the whole reason why they decided to do that, just because they could. Just because they could. And then they fly their strange um, cargo planes in formation. and uh, <laughs> Scare the locals. Do. Keep them in it, line. It's just like you see like a dove flying and there's a guy with a giant machine gun and a huge simtar. Yeah, and um, then there's also like a, a a unicorn or something or like a, a horse. Anyways, we'll link to some of the art. Uh, all that to say, uh, lights over Denver, probably some C-130 cargo planes. Too bad. Well, you know what? It is too bad uh, in that we wished it were a UFO, but it is not. Um, so let's get to the meat of our paranormal uh, segment this week, which is talking about the holidays in a variety of different ways, right? So uh, we want to address kind of like a broad spectrum of both holiday traditions, um, holiday figures, as, and then like art or like... Um, pieces of pop culture created out of uh, the holidays or Christmas more specifically. Yeah, I kind of uh, went like a little nuts looking at this stuff for this week because it's it's very interesting how Christmas has changed. Like we think of it now as like a more colorful and cheery time of the year. But you, you think like during Victorian times and before and like before the Industrial Revolution, Winter was really harsh and like people would die. Like the cause of death, death. Death, death, at, absolutely death. At that point, it was really not pleasant and things were kind of like creepier and scarier. Uh, we'll get to the traditions uh, about them saying ghost stories at Christmas time a little later, but something I came across was uh, an article of all like, you know, we think of Santa Claus at Christmas time, happy elves, and now more recently the elf on the shelf, which um, sort of plays a part in my house, but not really. He's a different okay, type okay, of elf okay, on the okay, shelf. Okay. So we got to talk about elf on the shelf here because I think it is a disastrous kind of thing. It is a monstrous idea that we need to train children and let them know that uh, Santa big brother is watching. I agree with you, and that's why our Elf on the Shelf plays by a totally different set of rules. Uh, we resisted it for years. And then last year, there was this whole thing where the kids would bring their elf to school, and my poor daughter had no elf. So we went and got her one, but like you, my wife and I think this whole Elf on the Shelf thing is ridiculous. So we played by a different set of rules where he's... He's more f friendly and stuff. He doesn't really, he's not really watching her to make sure she behaves. He just does fun little things and he doesn't have to do anything fun. Sometimes he'll just appear in a different way, but he's not as mischievous as some elves are. And our sh <laughs> and the other thing is our daughter was super sad when she found out he might leave after Christmas. So we basically said, well, um, he's not going to leave. He can stay in your room. He just won't do anything for the whole year and he'll come to life around Christmas time. And that's what he did. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a really good way of handling things, I guess. I uh, I have like a, a really weird vitriol for the idea of Elf on a Shelf. So I'm glad to hear that the Elf just kind of hangs out and does things, um, which is your family tradition. But as you were saying before, one of the more surprising traditions, especially in the Victorian era, was the telling of Christmas tales and also of scary stories on Christmas Eve. 
Yeah, and this stems from also all the scary uh, monsters they have on. And I want to just mention a few of those before we go on to the scary stories. Um, obviously, everybody everybody knows Krampus now because of the was the twenty fifteen movie that came yeah. out. Yeah, so everybody knows him, and he's he's um, in Europe basically, where he comes along with Saint Nick, um, who only deals in Europe. In Europe, and Saint Nick only deals with the good kids. He doesn't take care of the bad kids. He doesn't leave them cold or anything. He just passes them off to uh, Krampus, who hangs out with him, and Krampus beats them up, puts them in a sack, and then brings <laughs> them to hell. Yeah. Checks out. Checks yeah. out. Really Happy pleasant. holidays. You're going to hell. Yeah. So that's why all the kids in Europe are really well behaved. So something super interesting about Krampus, right, is that he is a companion of St. Nicholas's, but he's not the only companion of St. Nicholas's because there's also Black Peter. Do you know about Black Peter? No, I didn't come across him. So Krampus is the bad side of the St. Nicholas feast, and Black Peter is like the good side in that he gives out um, different candy and things to kids, um, sweets while he's there uh, at the feast of St. Nicholas in early December. So he's also like a mythical figure that helps St. Nicholas out. So that's not too bad. See, like, so there's two good ones, one bad one, um, but there's a few other ones, a few weird ones. So I came across as well, uh, Mary Lewid. So get oh, this. the zombie horse. Yes. Okay. So you know this. You're awesome. Uh, I had never heard of this. So somebody carries around a horse skull, like on a stick, and then the person is covered in in cloth, which. I, I never realized what a hobby horse was until I read this about the Mary Lewis. So a hobby horse is that. It's like a dress-up horse. Maybe I'm sounding really stupid that I didn't know this, but I didn't know this. And um, so they go with a team from house to house asking entry to have food and drinks. And then they have to ask the, the like, they have to ask with a song. And then the homeowner has to reply with a song. And whoever gives up first loses. So they either have to let them in or the team moves on to another house. Very odd. And very involved if you're part of this team, right? Exactly. It's too much work. No, thank you. <laughs> it's not scary enough. Yeah, it's like, come on. Uh, then there's uh, Perkta. She's a witch, and she roams around the countryside near the Alps. She looks for little kids, as usual. That's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so if, if, they, uh, if, if they've been good, right, um, they'll find a, a nice small silver coin the next day in a shoe or a pail. Not, oh, not bad if they've been good, uh, right? One of, my favorite, one of my favorite descriptions... I'll go on, sorry, because I, I want to get into the, my favorite description of if you've been bad. Because this escalates. <laughs> if they're good, they get a little coin, which is nice. And then it escalates to if they're not good, she'd slit their bellies open, remove their stomach and guts, and stuff the hole with straw and pebbles. Right. The, uh, so the Alice Obscura... Uh, description of what uh, Perkta does, I think is great, is I'll read it out loud here. Okay. Her punishment of choice involves slashing open your stomach so that she may violently rip out your intestines, which are then replaced by straw, rocks, and garbage. Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> uh, well, so when I came across this, it was uh, it just the escalation there. It's like, oh, small silver coin. That's so sweet. And the sure pill. And then I read the rest of it. It's like, wow. I, I'd figured like she'd leave a lump of coal or something. Nope. No, no. It's. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of these are just like very good security measures in the way that parents try to control children at that time of year. Well, it's just like horrible versions of the elf on the shelf. As bad as you think that is, this is just nightmare inducing. Right. Uh, like I stole your eyeballs. Merry Christmas. Yeah. And then, then there's the other one, uh, another um, female character from um, folklore, another witch, I guess. Um, this one's in Iceland. In Iceland, they have some really interesting ones. Um, there's Grilla. And now she eats bad kids around Christmas time. So she takes them home, she boils them, and then she eats them. 
Mm, delicious. Uh, she has 13 sons. They're called the Yule Lads. They're a little, they're less extreme. They're more like prankster, pranksters, right? They'd, if they were around now, they'd probably have a YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> And, and then they have a cat called the Yule Cat. The the cat, like as annoying as my cat is during the podcast, this one, um, he's not as picky when it comes to choosing between the good and the bad. Um, he'll eat you whether you've been good or bad. It's just, but he'll leave you alone if you've received new clothes before Christmas. So make sure okay. you put new clothes on the Christmas list. Get that new shirt in. Yeah, and and this led me to realize like that in Victorian times things were not as good. So uh, maybe they'd have to explain all these little kids dying of like uh, hunger and uh, horrible diseases. And they had a tradition of telling ghost stories. And uh, like the times were tough, right? The nights were long. This time of year, perfect for ghost stories. They didn't have electricity like we do. Uh, it's not all cheery and nice. Christmas trees and lights and unlike my haunted lights. Um, but yeah. And obviously like the most famous is the Christmas Carol where there's mention of ghosts and stuff, but something I came across and I, and I, and it rang a bell in my head there. I, I realized, Oh yeah, I thought of this. Why do they mention scary ghost stories in the most wonderful time of the year? And why is that Angelo? Well, because they used to tell ghost stories. Oh, there you go. Yeah, uh, pretty, going, expl- pretty simple explanation. Quickly going back, though, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite monsters of Christmas, which is Belschnickel. Belschnickel? Belschnickel, yeah, who's a, a German, like, uh, uh, oh, the, being, the I guess, would be the best word. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's, like, dressed like a homeless person and will beat children who have misbehaved pretty much. If they uh, if they get out of line, Belschnickel will beat them. So <laughs> better watch out for a homeless man who uh, is carrying a bunch of stuff and will wander uh, German and Pennsylvania Dutch communities uh, beaten on you. And apparently Belschnickel was also a um, popular uh, way of describing people who'd get rowdy during the holidays and, and play pranks and stuff. So you can be Belschnickeled. And uh, it was most uh, recently made famous by uh, Dwight Schrute of The Office, who talks about Belschnickel in one of the episodes, I oh, believe. yes. I remember that now. Well, you should go look at the uh, Atlas Obscure article. Look at his picture. Because I just noticed he's got a stick in one hand and a whip in the other. Oh, he is ready to party, my friend. Here's a beating. Merry Christmas. But yeah, as uh, you were saying before, Victorian times were a great time to tell scary tales uh, around the Christmas Eve fire because there's nothing else to do, I guess. Yeah, there's, it's it's not like they were, they'd get their Nintendo Switch and start playing with that. Uh, they had nothing to do except tell ghost stories. And it's, it is a tradition that, that sounds kind of fun. Uh, me scaring your children yeah faces like you can bring it up faces of death for christmas eve that would be great um <laughs> that's a christmas eve viewing all we're at grandma's house we'll be watching faces of death this year can't wait to see your wife file those divorce papers before new year's uh please don't say that <laughs> well you know what i'm saying if you were to do this horrible thing to your kids i know she's she would not be pleased well, no, no, we're, sure. we're not neither. gonna do this we're gonna watch uh one of those stupid dog movies with uh what are they called? Uh, Pause Safe Christmas or whatever. Oh, I thought you were talking about Beethoven starring Charles Grodin. Oh, yes. Uh, actually, my wife brought that up the other day. She's like, oh, let's watch this Beethoven movie on Netflix. Because they, they, all my kids have been doing is watching YouTube videos of um, of horrible uh, accidents with the Paw Patrol crew. Uh, no, they've been <laughs> watching uh, YouTube videos of um, Mario Odyssey. Which, oh. again, I'll mention it again, Zebra Gamer, really great channel for kids because he's very pleasant. And last night, um, we were doing some stuff, and it kind of got away from us, and they watched two hour-long episodes of, oh, man. Uh, 
Yeah, so they were just sitting in front of the TV watching uh, somebody else play video games. The, these which, kids are spoiled. Yeah, they were very lucky yesterday. We were kind of tired, and it was cold out, so we couldn't really go outside. Moving from Victorian times back into the modern age in terms of the holidays, let's talk about uh, Santa Claus. You know, specifically, uh, the company Coca-Cola helped popularize the modern look of Santa Claus, uh, adapted, of course, from the St. Nicholas tradition. So we have this man in a uh, red and white suit flying around, handing gifts out Christmas Eve worldwide. And, you know, if we take a step back and sort of consider the concept of Santa Claus, it's almost like uh, like a, a, an alien or a UFO in some ways. And I know maybe we're trying to shoehorn things in a little bit, but really consider the fact that he flies around in the sky. You can't tell what he is. He's busy uh, interacting with humans in different ways over you know, a multi-hour period. Let's, let's, let's consider it. Oh, there's, there's the whole missing time thing. Uh, kids wake up and there's gifts. Yeah, maybe he might be a, uh, do you think he's a gray? <laughs> no, he's, he's pure white and red, right? So, um, you know, the concept of Santa Claus is very interesting. He's a man, you know, with the aid of several animals. And in some instances, uh, the reindeer that he rides around are mechanical. Uh, you know, he spends a full day flying around, uh, slipping into and diving past and breaking into homes in order to deliver presents. Uh, he must be the most efficient man alive if he has to hit all of these people at the same time. He's using wormholes. Santa uses wormholes. You know what? At this point, I'm willing to believe all of that. Uh, also, you know, the thing is that every year, NORAD tracks Santa, quote unquote, right? So there's that website that uh, my kids that love helps, it. Uh, track Santa. Oh yeah, we we try to take a quick look at it every every year. And so, uh, do they get excited when they see Santa coming around? I think it's usually too late because my kids are in bed early. Usually, like on Christmas Eve, they'll stay up till about 10 and then we drive home because we have Christmas Eve at my mother-in-law's who's about an hour and a bit away from here. And then we drive home, we uh, put them into their rooms, they are sleeping, my wife and I play Santa Claus, we set everything up all nice and tidy for the next day and then uh, we come down usually around 7 o'clock in the morning to open the gifts and um, it's all set up. So I don't actually get to see Santa on the like flyover southern quebec but they do get him get to see him fly around the world which is a lot of fun for them so uh is that a tool that you use in order to get your kids to go to bed early what like santa's not gonna come if you don't go to bed yeah no we 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 try not to pull the santa claus santa claus card too often um if at all it's it's more right lately it's been the zelda card oh no you're not gonna play (laughs) zelda which uh, so you you uh, learned me something very interesting today about the voice of Zelda, but just on a little tangent here. So yeah, so uh, Patricia Somerset, a Concordia a grad in theater performance, uh, was uh, voiced Zelda in the Breath of the Wild game, which is kind of cool given the fact that uh, I- I'm willing to bet that you and I could agree that not too many cool things uh, come out of uh, Concordia University all too often that directly tie into what we talk about on the podcast. Well, Steve Wozniak does have an honorary doctorate from uh, Concordia University. If, and in case anybody's wondering why we're talking about this university, it's because both Brian and I got our degrees from there. Uh, and uh, my aforementioned uh, art history degree that I've mentioned like six times this episode. Uh, it was kind of neat that she's also an alumni from there. She did her degree in theater, which is kind of cool. And she gave the voice to Zelda, who I thought was British, but I guess not. She's American, but she studied in England as well. So You're talking about pretty- the magic of acting there. Wait, actors can change their accents? 
Oh, once in a while, Angelo. And speaking of acting, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite bad movies of all time. And if you'll just in- allow me to indulge this in a sec. Uh, have I ever talked to you about the Mexican Santa Claus movie from 1959? No. No. Okay. All right. So sit down. Get ready for this one. So basically, the story is this. Santa Claus and Merlin the Wizard live in a cloud city together with children from around the world who make toys. Okay. How does Santa? How did, yeah. Oh, it gets worse though. Santa and uh, Merlin, but more so Santa, battles an agent of Satan named Pitch to fight for the souls of different children in the in the movie. This is very strange. It is a surreal trip, and I'll see if I can find a link to the full movie. Uh, and this is I from the fifties. Yeah, nineteen fifty nine. Wow. It was horrifying and scary as a kid. So my parents bought this VHS tape that just had Santa Claus on it. And watching it, it did definitely give me a lot of nightmares. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, see, the times have changed. My kids would never, ever watch anything like that these days. No, they would not deal with Merlin running around with Santa, creating all sorts of um, uh, magical entities and uh, tools for Santa to use against Pitch, an agent of Satan. And and in case not everyone knows this, Brian is a horror movie uh, connoisseur. I would say he's uh, he's he's really into the 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 horror genre, and I'm sure you can uh, name off a few amazing Christmas horror movies. So in doing research for this and sort of writing down the movies that came at the sort of like the the top of my head, I realized very quickly that Christmas is uh, second only to Halloween in terms of the number of movies based around uh, that holiday, right? Like there's not too many. There's like one April Fool's Day. There's like maybe, you know, like a a jokey Labor Day movie, but nothing compares to the holidays. Um, so I'm going to list off some of my favorites, right? So there's a couple that kind of fall in a niche of like deranged guy goes crazy during the holidays. So there's a movie uh, called Christmas evil that does that. And then more famously in something that you and I were talking about is the silent night, deadly night series, but especially, uh, one and two. So number one, uh, basically opens with this kid witnessing a Santa murder, his family in uh, mid robbery. And then he grows up in an orphanage and the orphanage decides that he needs to get over his fear of Santa. So they get him a job at a toy store, dress up as Santa, but he snaps and goes in a killing spree uh and then in the sequel silent night deadly night 2 it's the guy's younger brother ricky who ends up uh feeling the same sort of impulse but really it's such a strange movie in so many ways because for example ricky takes a date to the movies and they sit down and they're actually watching scenes from the first movie uh which is kind of surreal i guess in the filmic universe and just uh in terms of actual production, they needed to pad the running time, so they decided to throw in a lot of the first movie as a framing device. That's pretty meta. Not only is it meta, but it's also something that you and I uh, both discussed without realizing it, because I said in preparation for this episode, because I knew I wanted to talk about uh, how bad Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 was, uh, I had mentioned that you were going uh, you were going to need to get a clip ready, and without me mentioning it, you sent over the infamous Garbage Day clip, which is probably what Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is most known for. Yeah, 
exactly. So uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is an infamous movie and how bad it is, um, but wholly watchable. And then, of course, there's the 2015 movie, which we talked about before for Krampus. There's Black Christmas, where a bunch of uh, women get chased around. There's New Year's Evil, which is a dance party gets interrupted by a deranged man. There's Santa's Sleigh, which is uh, starring, of course, WCW Titan Bill Goldberg uh, in the titular role. Um, there's Gremlins, of course, which is um, a pseudo horror movie, I guess. Like, it's it's a family friendly movie. I think it's a, mm. a movie that you can show your kids. Like, Sorry, soon. but it's got the most horrific uh, story in it uh, ever uh, told at Christmas, which is her talking about her father and how he died. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. That's probably the worst story I've ever heard in a movie about how somebody lost their parents. And of course, continuing on the list, there's uh, Rare Exports, which came out a couple of years ago. But the two things I want to talk about the most are Jack Frost and a French movie called A l'Intérieur, a.k.a. Inside. So Jack Frost, the With horror Michael movie. Keaton. So not the Michael Keaton movie. This one came out the year before. And it's about a serial killer who's being transported to a facility. And there is a medical accident. And he gets transformed into a killer snowman and just starts decimating people. And I thought it was a joke for the longest time because I had a friend growing up who kept bringing it up. And I thought that he was kidding and that he was confusing it for the Michael keaton movie until he took me to his video store and showed me the box and sure enough it was the horror jack frost I, it sounds familiar to me i think i, I remember what, what year was this 97 yeah it sounds familiar actually and then there's a movie called inside which is a very 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 graphic movie about a woman who loses her husband and then uh, christmas eve gets uh stalked and home invaded um by someone and then it's a it's a very gory a slow burn of a movie. It's not an entirely enjoyable kind of thing to watch, but it does tie into the holidays. And the point I wanted to make with all of this is like, it seems like they've tried to uh, sort of uh, turn the holidays into this like weird um, guiding post for like deranged people to do their deeds. Well, it makes sense because people are stressed during the holidays and how do a lot of people express their stress? They just go on murder sprees. So I was explaining this to a coworker of mine today, and she was saying, why doesn't everyone wait till Boxing Day? And your comment to that was very brilliant. Let's just turn Boxing Day into Slashing Day. Yeah, because you're slashing prices. In case anybody's wondering uh, who listens to us what Boxing Day is, if you're not in the UK or in Canada, it's the day after Christmas. For the longest time, that was our Black Friday. Uh, we didn't have it the day after Thanksgiving because that would have been way too early. Uh, so they'd have deals on Boxing Day. People always thought you could return things on Boxing Day, but having worked in retail, uh, that was a big no-no. Don't return something on Boxing Day. It's the worst possible day to go out to the store and return something. Agreed. Uh, so there are several kinds of uh, kind of uh, so Boxing Day happens the day after Christmas, so December 26th. And there are actually various um, theories as to how it came to be. So one of the bigger ones is um, in the 19th century, uh, it was believed that all of the servants and the errand boys, et cetera, et cetera, would receive a Christmas box. And what was in said box? Whatever gifts they wanted from the house. OK, it wasn't Gwyneth Paltrow's head. No, no. Though what is in the box we should get a magic eight ball and just roll it and see what happens i don't have one i wonder if the internet has a magic eight ball <laughs> there's probably a website yeah yeah i'm confident i could say with 100 percent certainty that if you type in magic eight ball in google you will come across a magic eight ball type thing google please guide us so yeah the holidays are really weird time for a lot of different things be it old-timey horror stories to uh, newish horror movies as well as a Mexican Santa Claus movie. Uh, there's a lot of different traditions that have sort of been po like put to the wayside almost in terms of what we uh, in modern times actually do follow. 
yeah, we've gone all over the place uh, with this, and and that's what we've done as a society. We've gone from Christmas time being dark and sort of scary, but a little bit of a celebration to now it's all lights and pretty and happy. Um, but this tradition of bringing of having the scary stories is is kind of interesting to me. I'd like to bring it back. Like, at what age are you starting to tell your kids these scary stories? Uh, not yet. I haven't really. Every once in a while, I threaten my kids. Uh, we're out watching. We're trying to pick something on Netflix. I'm like, let's watch a scary movie, and they look at me <laughs> like as if I'm crazy. But when I was six or seven, scary movies were were like the thing to watch. Catnip. I watched like I watched Evil Dead when I was six or seven. And uh, I mean, watching it now, it's not scary, but I like back then, that's like horrifying. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, you're dead. That's that's what Santa says in these movies. Exactly. And with that, we've wrapped up episode 34 of the Double Nancy podcast. Tune in next week as we discuss New Year's Day resolutions. Angela, are you, do, you, do you have yours prepared yet? Oh, they're all ready to go. Do you have and them on cue cards? I have them on flashcards, actually. How many of them are Mac-related? 17. 17. That's a good prime number to start with. I'm proud of you. It's going to be a long episode of just me talking about my Mac-related New Year's resolutions. At that time, we'll also be dropping a PowerPoint presentation based on your uh, cue cards, so I'm very excited to do that, too. It'll be a Christmas gift to to no one in particular. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hope you have a bit of time to rest because next week we've got a very, very, very interesting episode that we've been working on for a little bit. Yeah, pretty excited. All right, everyone. See ya. Bye. Ho, ho, ho. Goodbye.